0: It is Wednesday evening, believe it or not, and we are ready to get going. And uh, if you're going to be watching this on video, uh, of course we are not able to meet, as you know, and uh, so we're going to uh, see how this one works. We will have it on video and on audio, so we'll see which one works better, and we'll get these out, maybe both of them that way. Um this Sunday I'll be uh, making some announcements coming up about this Sunday, how we're going to do services that way, you know, we might be contacting uh, a couple people to help out with that. So we need to really be in prayer uh, for this time, it's a, just a crazy time right now, wouldn't wouldn't even have imagined doing this just a, two or three weeks ago, and uh, so, but here we are, and Lord knows, God knows what He's doing, and He's well aware of what's going on, so we're just going to... Uh, continue on and uh, uh, continue to have church. Uh, I think you've heard it recently. Thankfully, thankfully, uh, the church isn't a building. And uh, thankful for technology nowadays. Didn't think I'd ever say that. But I am thankful for technology and how we can still uh, get together and meet uh, digitally or virtually, however they say that. So um, we will uh, see how this goes over. So keep praying. Be praying for the church, praying for your, uh, just uh, the members of the church and and that we'll uh, just be strengthened and uh, get through this and uh, see what God has for us. So, All right, we're going to open with a word of prayer and then I'm going to read a missionary letter and uh, we will uh, move on from there. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the evening, for the ability to have the technology that we have to say that we're meeting uh, together as a body, uh, and uh, we thank, we are certainly thankful for that, but Lord, we want to be back together soon. Lord, we'd like to be back as a church. We'd like to assemble together here bodily, and uh, God, I, we just ask you to, tonight that, Lord, you would intervene. Uh, Lord, you knew this was coming, and uh, I, I do uh, believe that our church will be stronger for this, but uh, Father, would you just please uh, intervene in this. i uh, this virus and the thing that is going around the world uh, Lord that you would uh, uh, put it at bay that your church would be strengthened your people would be strengthened uh, that the gospel would continue to get out and uh, Lord that we'd continue to just to trust you and to be faithful in this time. We thank you for what you're going to do. we thank you for the service tonight just pray you bless your word in Jesus name. Amen amen all right let's uh, got a letter here from uh, Stan and Teresa Rowe, our missionaries to Papua New Guinea. I just want to read a couple highlighted things um, on the letter. And so this was dated March of 2020, and uh, Brother Rowe says, Dear Pastor and Calvary Baptist Church, thank you for your faithfulness again this month. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, and we appreciate your part in that. It is a privilege for me to have the opportunity to teach Bible subjects here at the Bible School. We have a good group of students who will graduate at the end of this year. I recently enjoyed a 10-day teaching stretch and was reminded that it it is a duty that asks a lot, but God is good to supply when I depend on Him. Please pray for the Bible school as the number of teachers available fluctuates often. The Kecks have returned from furlough and the Smiths are leaving for furlough in a few weeks. Then we will be in the States mid-May to mid-July. That will leave the Kecks and Pastor Tim to carry the load of teaching. The work at the Quimbu area has been fairly steady on Sundays. Now listen to this. this I, I, I highlighted this. There have been a few visitors... And there is a group who continue to walk in from about an hour and a half away. You know what I hope at the end of this thing with the the virus and not being able to meet. I I would pray that we would have a a, a inner desire once again to that we'd want to meet so badly that even we might walk an hour and a half just to be able to get together and to meet. And what a testimony that is here uh, to these believers here in Papua New Guinea to walk an hour and a half. An hour and a half to come to church. He says, pray for us to have more influence on those who live nearby. We have been working on the benches and almost half are complete in this little building. Now listen to this. After sitting on the floor for a few years, for a few years, everyone who had a bench was excited. Thank you for your prayers and support. And he lists here Psalm 67 verse 2, that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. In him stand row and family. So we're thankful for the ministry there. Thankful for the uh, testimony of the believers there who would walk an hour and a half to church, who would meet for several years sitting on the floor just to hear the word of God. What what a what a testimony and uh, what an indictment even for us here in the United States. So let's. uh, I just want to take a time right now, just a couple minutes or a minute or two to have prayer here for the Rose and lift them up here and intercede on their behalf and and then we'll get along in the message. So why don't we have a word of prayer? Father, thank you again. We can come before you again tonight. And Lord, we just want to lift up uh, Stan and Teresa Rowe and the family there in Papua New Guinea. God, we pray for them. We pray for your grace and enablement in the ministry they have there. We pray that you would just give them uh, fruit for their labor uh, where you have them. And we thank you for the testimony of those believers that are so hungry for the Word of God, that they would walk an hour and a half to assemble together as you've commanded us to do. And that they would sit on the floor to listen to the preaching and get excited after a few years of just having some benches to sit on. What a shame on us in America. Uh, Lord, before We've been told that we cannot meet because of the virus situation. I think of the times before this when we had no hindrance whatsoever to come together and to meet. And, and it was, at times it could be like pulling teeth to get people to assemble in the church to, under the word of God. And so Father, I pray you would restore that in us again and give us a heart for your church. Give us a heart for your word again. When I think of the believers in Papua New Guinea, Lord, it's just, would you help us here? And then, Father, would you just bless the ministry there again and just protect them, uh, protect the rose there in Papua New Guinea. And we thank you for the work there. We thank you for the years of faithfulness. Uh, Lord, would you just uh, bless them in a mighty way? We want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we uh, are going to get right into the preaching here tonight, and we've been in the book of James, uh, kind of slowly going through this, and, and uh, tonight we find ourselves in chapter 4, chapter 4 of James, and we're going to be looking tonight at verses 1 through 10. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Let's go ahead and read the text. And then we'll get right into the message. The Bible says, first four, chapter four, verse one." From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war that ye yet you have not because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Father, would you bless your word tonight? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you a quick recap here on the book of James. Uh, We've been looking at, uh, going through here, these titles in the book of James. We've looked at a faith that lasts longer than the trials. We have looked at a faith that outworks the trials. We have looked at a faith visible in the Great Commission. We've looked at a faith that is measurable. And last time we met, we looked at a faith that is visible in our words. In our words. The tongue is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, and how hard it is to control our tongue. Well, tonight I want to look at a faith that is visible in our relationships, a faith visible in our relationships. And continuing our study in James, James presents an all too familiar scene in the average Baptist church, and it is a scene of war and fighting, war and fighting. You know what? If you don't think this happens, you can get onto social media, you can get on the internet, you can get on YouTube, and you can find plenty of examples of, of, of churches that record their battles and their wars amongst each other, put them on the internet, record them, and they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. What a shame that is. For the world to get on and watch this, watch the feuding and watch the fighting. You know, I remember a couple friends in Bible college, and they were at a restaurant talking, just visiting, fellowshipping over a over a cup of coffee. and And let me say this in their discussion and their in their uh, fellowship time they they were not edifying those they were talking about. Let me say it that way. They weren't, they weren't looking at edifying anybody. They were actually talking about all of the problems and all the people who were doing this and this guy doing this and this one doing that. And one of the guys uh, of these two that were here told me later, he said, we were talking and this, this dear black lady walked up to their table and nicely reminded them that people could hear them talking and it wasn't a very good testimony. Needless to say, they were quite ashamed. And that was a worthwhile rebuke that they got from this dear Christian lady. You know, tonight we're going to look at just two points when it comes to war and fighting in the body. And I want to look at two things tonight. Number one, I want to look at the problem. And number two, I want to look at the cure. It's always nice to have a cure, isn't it? Well, we have a problem And we have a cure. And if you turn your attention to verse 1 in our text, James begins with a question. Look at this. He says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Where are these things coming from? Where are they coming from? Look what he says here. Among you. Who is the you he is talking about? Well, if you go back into chapter one, you'll see that he's writing to those scattered. That he said calls them the twelve tribes scattered uh, um, out from among uh, from the where they were. the, The scattered believers, and what these are, those scattered Christian Jews, I believe, who left Jerusalem after the stoning of Stephen. These were believers. Uh, they, as we, you can look back in Acts chapter eleven and twelve and thirteen, after the stoning of Stephen, and the Bible even says there in Acts, it's recorded that uh, the, the the many dispersed out of Judea and went out, and uh, they went from there, and they they are now there in Antioch. These believers now are in Damascus. They are on the island of Cyprus. They are on the island of Crete, all the way there south of Greece. And from the church at Jerusalem now, other churches have been planted all over the known world because of of the persecution that came to those believers in Jerusalem. And you know what happens when you get people together? So they've dispersed... They've joined up in other parts of the world. They have uh, preached the gospel. Other believers have come in among them. And now you start to have an assembly of people. And you know what happens when you get a lot of people? (laughs) Fighting. Disagreements. uh, Power struggles. And so James is asking here rhetorically, where's this coming from? And if you notice here, he gives the answer as well. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Look at this. Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Yeah. You see, the fighting on the outside is the outworking of lust on the inside. And this is what James is saying. Even of your lust that war in your members. Now, I want, to, I want to clarify something here tonight, that lust isn't always sexual. Here's what lust is. Lust is when we place the object of our desire above all things in our lives. Let me say it this way. For the believer, lust is when we place an object of our desire above our obedience to God the insatiable desire in us to have something to need something to want something and we will we will reject the will of god and the desire of god just so we can have it it may be sexual it may be in 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 the area of money it might be uh the need for recognition it might be uh the this insatiable desire for for power and position in the church and if you're if you're seeing fightings and wars within the body, within the church, it is because there is lust in the heart. Lust. Look at verse 2, would you? Ye lust, and ye have not. Ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight, and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Now you see, the world satisfies their lust by clawing and fighting and doing uh, whatever needs to be done to get ahead. But this is not how the child of God gets what they need. Why? Well, look at the end of verse 2. Why, why does that child of God get not... What, Oh, let me say, uh, let me back up. Why is it that the child of God cannot get what they need in the same way that the that the world gets what they need? How what what? Why is that not possible? Look what he says here. You have not because ye ask not. What's the difference between the child of God and the child of the world? The child of God asks for what they need the world fights and wars for what they need. The child of God goes to their heavenly father and tells them what they need. But that that individual within the world operates off their lust and they will lie and they will cheat and they will steal and they will triangulate to do anything they can to get what their desire is. Let me give you a foundational truth here. In God's economy... God's children don't have their need met in the same way the world does. Yeah. Let me show you this in Matthew chapter 6. Would you turn there tonight in Matthew chapter 6? Now if you're watching by video, feel free to say amen all you want. You can run around your living room if you'd like to. You can jump up and down and shout. It's okay. That'll be alright. It's... uh. You can just practice for when you get to come back to church. Okay, you don't want to lose practice. (laughs) Okay, you want to come back ready to go. Matthew chapter six. Listen to verse. Listen here in verse. uh, What did I say? Verse verse eight. Be not therefore like unto them. Above at verse seven, you can see those praying in vain repetition. For your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. Forever. Amen. You see that? Notice this. He started Jesus in this model prayer. Jesus starts with our Father. That is His relationship to us. He goes to to saying, Hallowed be Thy name. That is the character of the one with whom we have a relationship with. He's holy. He goes on and says, thy kingdom come. This is the will of God. This is the the purpose of the one with whom we have this relationship with. He says, give us. Give us this day our daily bread. This is his provision. He says, forgive us our sins. Forgive us. This is his, his pardon. He says, lead us not into temptation. This is his protection. He says, deliver us from evil. This is his power. And then he says, he ends it by saying, thine is the kingdom. This is his authority. This is our heavenly father. And Jesus is establishing here, watch this, complete dependence on God, because he is the source of every one of our needs. Complete dependence. You can go on down at the end of here. Go on in chapter six of, of Matthew. Here again, look at look at verse twenty eight. The Bible says, "And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory." was not arrayed as one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the, into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Look what he says. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You see that once again? Jesus establishes that our Heavenly Father knows our every need and He is the supplier of every need. So you know what He says? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about your needs being met. What what do we do instead? If you will seek the expansion of the kingdom of God, if you will seek the expansion of God's kingdom, then... uh, let the needs of tomorrow take care of themselves. Because he's going to take care of you. Here's what he's saying. Our needs are met by God. Yeah. So how does the child of God get their needs met? Well, by trusting. <laughs> by obeying. By relying upon. By asking, asking, I tell you what I can't help but remembering. Over in, uh, over in, uh, I guess it was First uh, Samuel. Maybe it was First or Second Samuel, chapter twelve. David had sinned with Bathsheba. He had killed Uriah. He had been about a year since it all happened. He had been going along, and we know that Nathan the prophet came to him and exposed. Uh, David, and confronted him with his sin, and David repented of his sin, and confessed his sin, and at one point in this discourse with Nathan, Nathan uh, uh, divulged to David what God had said, and this is what God told David. He said, I gave you everything that was Saul's. I gave you all of his stuff. And this is astounding to me, because God goes on to say this, and if you had wanted more, David... I would have given you that as well. If you had just asked, I would have given you more. But no, you operated off of your lust and you went outside of my will and you you re, uh, just disregarded the law, disregarded the commandments, and uh, you sinned. And God said, If you just asked, I would have given you more. Isn't that incredible? No, I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but I'm trying to establish something here tonight. God's children trust Him for their needs. Not by fighting, not by warring with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we rely upon Him. No, this is why needs weren't being met here. In, in, back in James. You go back to James chapter 4. This is why their needs were not being met because they were seeking to have their needs met the way the world has them met and not having them met the way a child of God has their needs met. And and they were what were they doing? They weren't asking God for what they needed. Yeah. They were acting like a bunch of heathens. Trying to just Get all they could, and get what they could, get it any way they could. God says here through James, no. A child of God just asks and seeks and relies upon and trusts and obeys. Not only were their needs not being met because they weren't asking, but their needs weren't being met because they just uh, they, they 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 were asking. What they were asking was for the wrong reason. Verse 3, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Yeah. No, listen very closely, please. God will never give you the object of your lust. Of those things that are outside of His will, those insatiable desires that He says no, He's not going to give you those. Why? Because it damages your relationship with Him. Well, how does that damage my relationship with Him? It does? Well, yeah, look at verse (laughs) 4. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I want you to notice three indictments here in this verse. Number one, to those that try to get what they want the way the world does it, and not by relying upon God, first thing you're doing is you're living in infidelity. Infidelity. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Ouch. Now this is God's view of these people, of, these, of His children that are living like the world like this. You're an adulterer and you're an adulteress. No, when you when you are driven by your lust and seek to fulfill them in your own power, you are rejecting God. Not only are you living in, in, in infidelity, but number two, you are at enmity with God. That word enmity means ill will and hatred. Hatred. Not only are you at enmity with God, you have ill will towards God, You're in hatred with God, toward God. But third thing is, you're the enemy of God. This is when your ill will and your hatred are causing you to work against God and to work to defeat God. You're the enemy of God. What does an enemy do? An enemy comes and tries to take out you, or you try to take out your enemy. And God says here, well, you, you know, that you're an enemy. What a sombering indictment from a scorned lover. You see, God has a will for your life. He has a will for my life. And when we fight and war amongst ourselves to fulfill our lusts and desires, we are actually working against the will of God for our life, and we end up becoming His enemy. No, Peter did this. Remember this? Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, essentially he didn't say it at this time, but he said, I'm going to go and be crucified. And Peter said, no, you're not. Peter said, over my dead body. He said, I will never allow this to happen. And Jesus looked at him, turned around and looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. Peter made himself an enemy of God. Why? He was standing in the way of the will of God. No, he might have had a good reason for it. He might have thought he was protecting the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus was establishing here that if you stand in the will in the way of the will of God, you are his enemy. And you're keeping from accomplishing what he once accomplished. Now really tune in here for a minute, would you please? When someone in a relationship... Begins to work against the other, it is a form of infidelity. And this is what we do in our relationship with God. And this is why He calls those who do this adulterers and adulteresses. Let me ask you a few questions. How do you go about getting what you want in life? Do you kill with false accusations? Do you war with those who have more responsibility than you in the church? Do you tattle so you can look better than the other? Do you force your way in and bully your way maybe to even to the pastor so you can get that position that you want? Do you lust for recognition? Do you lust for authority and power? Will you tear up a church to get it? <laughs> Listen to me. God says you are his enemy if this is what marks your life. Wow. You ready for the cure? (laughs) Would you look at verse uh, 6 in our text, chapter 4 and verse 6? but he giveth more grace wherefore he saith god resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble you see the cure has a choice here if you want the cure you have a choice you can either you can either be amongst the proud and stiffen your neck and dig in your heels <laughs> and say i'm not i'm not doing any i'm not going anywhere this isn't me i'm fine or you can move in humility and if you choose to move in humility this is where grace shows up verse 7 submit yourself therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. You want the cure for this in your life? You want to see what the cure here is in verses 6 through 10? Humility. Humility. Just trust God. Depend upon God. Rely on Him. Ask Him. Obey Him. These are the marks of humility. Humility, and if you find yourself amongst those that are fighting and warring within the body, trying to get ahead, trying to get what you want, trying to uh, trying to get the position you want, trying to get the power and the uh, and the notice that you want and the recognition that you want, what James is saying here, what the Holy Spirit of God is saying here in the in James chapter four is is humble yourself and repent and get right with God because you're His enemy. Because this is not how God works in His economy to provide His children what they need. God provides what we need when we trust Him, we depend upon Him, we rely upon Him, we obey Him, we ask Him. It's a relationship. And when we go away from that and go back to having our needs met like the world... The only thing God can say is adulterer, adulteress, enmity, enemy of God. So let me ask you tonight, is your life marked... By humility? Or is your unfaithfulness to God, has your unfaithfulness to God made you his enemy? If the Holy Spirit is pointing a finger on your heart tonight, would you just humble your heart before God? And repent of your infidelity and start afresh to live in total dependence on him. You know what will happen when we do that? (laughs) The fighting, the wars, the backbiting, the snide comments, the rolling of the eyes. It'll go away in the body. It'll go away in the church. We'll have a unified church and a strong church, a church that God can bless. And when we have needs come up, you know what we do? We'll go to our Heavenly Father and we'll ask Him. We'll live in total dependence upon Him. What about you tonight? Is your life marked by humility and dependence and reliance upon Him for all of your needs? Or are you living like the world, Father. I want to thank you tonight for your word, for the clarity of it, for the pointedness of it, for the conviction. There's not many issues in the life of a believer that you define. as being acts of adultery and infidelity. But here in James chapter 4, that's exactly what you've said. Those believers who do, who refuse to rely upon you and seek to have their needs met some other way are unfaithful. Father, I don't want to be named among those. I believe, I can't think of an individual in this church that would say, I want that to be me. I don't think that at all. So Father, would you help us? We pray your Holy Spirit would begin to even now put a finger on maybe something in our life that we need to uh, be pointed out that where we are living in in total independence from you and seeking our own uh, ways of getting ahead and we need to be corrected tonight and Uh, humble ourselves before You and get right and return to trust in You. Father, would You help us in that tonight? And we thank You for what You're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and have an invitation time and wherever you're at right now, you can just take this time and get alone with the Lord and whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you, would you obey? Maybe Maybe it's an area of just uh, independence and seeking a way to have your needs met by the way the world does it or maybe you're just being driven lately by some lust of something that God says said no and you keep saying yes. However the Lord has spoke tonight, you, you respond to him, would you? Well, thank you for tuning in, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see you shortly. And uh, keep praying, and uh, keep uh, keep trusting the Lord, and uh, we'll um, see each other again real soon. And God bless. Have a great week.